Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I am joined here with Jess Bonasso, also known as the self-care goddess, who's a brave life catalyst and self-rescue coach. I can't wait to dive into the self-sabotaging topic. And I know I had mentioned Enneagram. So let's just cover a little bit about what the Enneagram is for anyone who doesn't know. I know I'm like super into all of those different things, but I haven't yet dived deep into researching Enneagram. So can you give us like a brief overview of what it is? Oh my goodness. I can't believe you haven't looked at it yet. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty in-depth system. First of all, I would call it a spiritual growth and development system. And it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Like it was originally used, I believe, by the Sufi tradition. And it's also been used in the Christianity tradition, Judaism, even Catholicism. I think there's some components of Enneagram. And so you'll see flavors. It's really interesting that it like crosses over the religions because usually that doesn't happen. Right. Well, some of the things that you see as... um, What's the the similarities between different religions? You'll see that in the Enneagram. And and here's what I love about the Enneagram. So on the Enneagram, Ennea means nine. And gram is sort of like just this diagram. And there's a diagram associated with the Enneagram. There are nine personality styles. And every single one of us on the face of this planet has a unique combination and blend of these nine personality styles within us. And so when you do an assessment, the assessment is not necessarily to figure out which one type you are. It's to see which combination of the nine types you are. Mm. And once you have figured out where you are playing out uh, a type most strongly, like, for example, when I first went through and did the Enneagram assessment, I had a lot of two energy. I had a lot of three energy um, and I had a lot of six energy. And those numbers don't mean anything to the general public. But each one of the numbers has an association with a sort of like a personality style. So like the two that I resonated very strongly with with is the helper and they will do things. They're motivated. Normally what happens is they're all of the types are motivated by fears. This is what causes us to take action. Right. And so the two's core fear is a fear of not being loved or being abandoned or rejected, which goes back to my childhood, right? With my mom, go away, leave me alone. Right. And me feeling like I had nobody to take care of me and that they didn't love me and that maybe the divorce was my fault. Like I had all these stories that I had made up in my head. So that's where my two pattern was showing up. And the two is known as the self-sacrificer or the helper. And what they will do is they'll help people to the point of self-sacrifice because they're hoping and praying that in return, they will feel loved and they will avoid abandonment and rejection by the people that they take care of. So they're the caretakers of the Enneagram. Over the past decade, Raven Scott has first exited an abusive relationship, then found her healing and renewal through the very tools she shares in this book. This incredibly relatable story is a healing guide that weaves a story of an empath growing up, struggling with codependency, and loving a narcissist. It guides you in transforming yourself from low self-esteem, PTSD, emotional abuse, to a strong, confident, and renewed soul. Plus, it includes a bonus chapter on the basic overview of human design, your soul's unique blueprint. Grab your copy of this book on sale today, available on Amazon now. My then husband and also my team and all of that, that's how it was playing out, which is a big reason why I was getting so burned out and worn out in my yeah. 20s. 
right? Because I was operating out of a place of disintegration. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't understand the fears that I was operating from or any right. of that. So, so that's an example. The three is known as the achiever. And the achiever has a fear of not being seen as valuable or worthy. So they will try to prove their value and worth by acting the part. And so me climbing up that corporate ladder and taking one job after another because it made more money, it made me look good, so to speak, but it didn't necessarily mean that I was truly authentically confident in myself and my abilities. In fact, I had quite a few insecurities. And so I was I was looking the part but I wasn't actually feeling the part. And that was because I was trying to prove my value and my worth by how much money I was making. And it wasn't an, an authentic path for me. Right. Uh, it was very disintegrated. Yeah. Which uh, also creates, so you, you had like two energies really creating a huge burnout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Combo. Yeah. Yeah. And then the sixth type, these were the three types that were the most strongest for me. Now I play some of these other types out too, but the sixth type is known as the self doubter or the loyalist or loyal skeptic. Hmm. and they um, tend to doubt themselves a lot. They have a lot of self-doubt and a lot of insecurity, which is where a lot of my insecurity would come from, but their core fear is a feeling of not feeling safe and supported. Hmm. So again, you know, being a two-year-old, not feeling safe and supported, not having a lot of the amenities as I was growing up and living in a lot of poverty conditions, there was this unspoken story that I'm not safe, I'm not supported, I'm not loved, I'm not valued, and that's how the Enneagram was playing out with me personally, right? Yeah. And it was those core fears that were ultimately leading me into burnout and breakdown and led to my, my midlife crisis. So I learned about all of this Enneagram stuff and there's nine types. So there's several other different styles on there. But once you figure out what your unique combination is, you, you can go in and take a look at like your top three types, look at the core fears that are running the show for you. And then that's where you do your healing work. You go in and you can actually find some sort of a therapist or uh, a healer or someone who can help you unravel those core fears at the cellular level to figure out where in your life those stem from and do the cellular memory work around that. That can really help to unravel all of the unhealthy habits, patterns, and behaviors that go along with it. Like for me, as a six, I was a self-doubter. So I would vacillate back and forth. I didn't have trust and faith in others or myself. So I was really sabotaging myself. That was the behavior that was sabotaged me there. Yeah. And for the three, workaholism, that sort of work like habit or pattern is sort of the self-sabotage that was leading me into burnout. And the overgiving or self-sacrificing of the two, that's the self-sabotage that was showing up for me personally. So it really gives you a window into not just the core fears, but also the disintegrated traits, habits, patterns, and behaviors that are not working well for you. Wow. Yeah, and exactly then, what we're talking about is it it literally pinpoints, okay, this is where you're self-sabotaging or this exactly. is this unwanted pattern. Here you go, right here. Yeah, it's like a roadmap to what's working and what's not working. And then this is the beautiful thing is it's not just about what's not working. It actually has all of the integrated traits and characteristics that you can sit down and study as well. So within each of the nine types, there are nine levels of development and when you go in and you study the levels of development for the types that you sh- that you resonate most strongly with, you can see sort of where you're at on that continuum. And then you can see the levels of development above you and what those habits, patterns, and behaviors look like so that you can see what are the habits and patterns that I need to start fostering, that I need to start practicing in order to integrate the disintegrated part of my personality and become more whole. Yeah. And I think that's one of my favorite things about the Enneagram is most of us 
let's just face it as human beings, we feel like oftentimes when we don't know what we don't know, we feel stuck. We feel alone. We feel like we're broken. Yeah. None of us are broken. In fact, we all have the capacity for wholeness. And what I love about the Enneagram is that it's an actual gateway. It's a path or a roadmap from being disintegrated and feeling broken and not part of the whole to being more whole again for ourselves. But it also has the ability to give us more compassion for others because we see ourselves in others now. Once we start to learn about ourselves and the Enneagram, you can start to see like my ex-husband, I could see that he was a nine on the Enneagram. He was a peacemaker who had a fear of conflict, which was why we had a hard time working through arguments that would come up because he would avoid and I would be the anxious type wanting to fix it. You know, we would clash, right? (laughs) So it's just, it's, such a beautiful system. It's just, I love it. That sounds amazing. So how do you find which type you are? Well, there are tests that you can take online, um, or you can also sign up for my self-rescue toolkit because I have an Enneagram assessment in that toolkit Okay, uh, that will, that you can go through and figure out what your unique personality makeup is. And it, and it comes with like a, a small overview. I have a more in-depth workbook that I use when I'm working with my clients Um, But it'll give you an overview of uh, your unique personality system, your core fears, and some of the traits that relate to who you are personally. And then if you want to do deeper dive work, then you just, you know, you find somebody that you can do that work with. Now, I know personally, like I have friends who do Enneagram coaching and that kind of thing. But the thing that I love about the work that I do, and this is, this is actually how I came to learn about the Enneagram is through the journey. Mm -hmm. So one of those intensives, those week-long intensives that I did when I went through my practitioner training was a week-long silent retreat called No Ego. And during the No Ego retreat, uh, Brandon and her husband, Kevin, each day they would do a parody of the different types so that you could kind of figure out who you were on the Enneagram. This was without you having to look at your assessment. Nobody could look at their assessment. You just watched them act it out up on the stage. And then Based on the parody, you had to choose which one you felt like you most aligned with. And then we would go do that day. We would then go do journey process work around the pattern that was bringing up the most stuff for us, causing us to be like, oh, no, that's me. That's what I've been doing. (laughs) You know, so they stir up all your stuff. And then you go in and you do deep dive cellular memory release therapy around that core fear. And so that's where I learned this work was through the journey. And so when I work with my clients, my intention is let's figure out what your core fears are first. Let's go do some deep dive healing work around those core fears and unravel that. And then we can do coaching and strategizing to help you figure out how to implement the growth. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Now with the fears, I also find some people like to avoid their fears. So how do you, how do you ease them into a safe space to get them to... Yeah, that's a great question. Well, so this is the beauty of the Enneagram. Like there are two types in particular on the Enneagram who have avoidance tendencies, you know, and they tend to withdraw. So like the nine on the Enneagram that I mentioned my ex-husband was, they are peacemakers. They are avoiders of conflict, including internal conflict. So They are the ultimate Libra. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all of the types have different levels of avoidance. So here's been my experience is when I sit down and I talk to somebody about their unique personality style and we talk about the core fears that are holding them back, just having a conversation about the core fears, that 
that tends to open them up to be more vulnerable because it makes it, it puts them in a safe space where they're like, first of all, number one, I can't tell you the number of times when I've been talking to somebody at a high level about the Enneagram where they're like, you are describing me to a T. I can't believe how, how you're describing. Um, and then when we get the actual Enneagram results and we see exactly where they're at, I can ask them, is this something that you're struggling with? And they say, yes. And then say, okay, tell me more about that. And I get them to actually open up more about that. Okay, now let's look at the core fears. Does this fear resonate or does this fear resonate? So we're really getting to the heart of the matter and they can see things in a way that they haven't seen it before, which I think creates more open-mindedness and curiosity about the desire and then to go deeper. Now that said, there are some people who are not ready to do that deep dive healing work. And those would not be a good fit for me because, right. you know, if you, if you don't want to go in and really face those inner demons. And when I say face them, like really actually turn around, face them, openly embrace them and, and integrate them. You're, you're not going to get any value out of the work. So, yeah, just like you said in the very beginning, it's like, you're not ready to learn. Like the teacher comes only when you're ready yeah. to learn. So right. it's here for you. And when yeah. you, reach that part of your journey, then it will fall into place. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is exactly why the journey came into my life yeah. literally within a month after me saying, I'm ready. I'm going to take that responsibility. Right. I'm going to do whatever it takes <laughs> to heal because I'm tired of feeling this way. You know? I love that I key ready. word there, right? You, you were like, okay, I'm finally ready to take responsibility rather than blaming others or just shoving it under the rug and working right. harder. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I love that. Yeah. So, um, which we've been talking about um, self-sabotage while we've been talking about the Enneagram, but I just wanted to ask you, what are some common self-sabotaging patterns that you see among people yeah. you work with? Okay. Well, I can give you some examples really just based off the Enneagram, like perfectionism. Perfect. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. huge self-sabotage. Like it's good to be good at what you're doing to a point, but if you're a perfectionist, who's like, it has to be done a certain way and it's my way or the highway. Um, that can create a lot of problems. And, and <laughs> the, the perfectionist on the Enneagram, the, the one type, have yeah. a lot of judgment of others and a judgment of themselves. And having all kinds of self-judgment about yourself is a huge self-saboteur, you know? Yeah, um, I, I can relate to that one. Yeah, yeah. And so In two on this. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the two on the Enneagram, they're the overgiver, the self-sacrificer, right? They're giving, giving, giving until they can't even breathe or anything anymore. And then being pissed off and, and resentful because nobody's yes, reciprocating. Exactly. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that are giving all their time and energy away. So right. that's self-sabotage, right? People pleasing. Uh, yeah. For the three on the Enneagram, workaholism. Mm -hmm. Working really hard to prove your value in your worth. That working mm -hmm. hard, that workaholic sort of mentality is another saboteur that you can see. There's also being an over-intellectualizing, you know, like being a knowledge seeker and, and trying to learn as much as you possibly can about something, but not actually integrating it and practicing it and, and, and applying it in experiential ways. That can be self-sabotage, self-doubt, anything to do with not enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not vulnerable, not, not weak enough or not strong enough, whatever it is that's running the show from an insecurity standpoint, that lack and scarcity piece for you, that's going to be self-sabotage too. And it doesn't have to be lack and scarcity about money. It could be just lack and scarcity around like the insecurities. Love like or, yeah. Yeah. Not enough love, not enough, whatever, not safe, not supported. Mm -hmm. Doubting yourself. That was one of the things I was doing as a six. Um, 
uh, sevens on the Enneagram. They're the adventure seekers. So they are avoiders, big, big time avoiders of anything that has to do with fear or pain. They'll rather go out and do fun and adventurous things to avoid having to face whatever's not working in their life, <laughs> which is huge self-sabotage, right? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Eights on the Enneagram. They're aggressors very, very aggressive. So they're sort of known as the challengers on the Enneagram and getting in people's faces and, and being very aggressive can be a huge form of self-sabotage. I, I remember I had a, uh, one of my employees that I was working with who he wasn't a challenger, but he was just so negative all the time, like just negative Nelly. Mm-hmm. And I kept giving him feedback year after year after year, like David, you know, like that you're actually affecting other people's relationship with you here in, in the business dynamic, because every time we bring up an idea, you're, tr- you're down shooting it and you're saying, no, 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 no. And always being super negative. Like you've got to open up your mind, open up your heart. You've got to, you know, so it was just constant feedback that I had to give him about yeah. that. And that's it's coming not- from that, that place of fear of like, totally. Well, it, it, this might not be enough or this might fail or this might right. hurt somebody or whatever. It's always right. that fear. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I wish so badly that I had known about the Enneagram when I was working in the corporate world as a manager. I think it would have been so incredibly powerful to have that in my toolbox back then because I would have better understood all of my employees and I wouldn't have gotten so upset with them. Yeah, and that's so funny. Like most corporate, you know, like they have certain personality tests, but they don't, they're only like to determine, okay, like this is who you're working with, but not right. to the level like the Enneagram has where it's like, okay, this is where their core fear is. And like, these are the different levels you can help them improve. Like I wish, exactly. I wish all corporate would have that more. And hopefully as the times evolve and everyone's waking up, that might be something on the horizon. Yeah. 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 And then one other thing I want to say about self-sabotage, it's not always just be habits and behaviors, right? It could be toxic thoughts, limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves, mm-hmm. about life. Um, it can be unhealthy behaviors like addictions and, you know, bad habits, things that we're doing that that aren't serving us, narcotizing, that kind of thing. Nines on the Enneagram like to sort of numb out with TV and, you know, things that they just like to, no, I don't want to deal with that. I'm going to go over here and numb out on this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the ego patterns themselves are also saboteurs. So when I do my work with clients, I'm looking at all of those things, your limiting beliefs, your unhealthy habits, your behaviors, any addictions, any fears, any phobias, any ego patterns that you might be dealing with. So we do a deep dive self-discovery work to find out what are the saboteurs that are holding each person back individually. And then we use the journey process work to go in and unravel those fears. Because with the journey, it's not just a single method or approach. There's there's an emotional journey process that can be done to help address emotional issues. There's a physical journey process to help address any physical dis-ease that you have in your body, like Brandon's tumor or my back pain, yeah. for example, that I was dealing with. Um, there's an abundance process that you can use to go help unravel lack and scarcity mentality around money and prosperity and abundance. And then there's also an ego release process, which is really good for going in and unraveling the Enneagram patterns that you're struggling with. The disintegration part of the Enneagram uh, yeah. patterns that you're struggling with. So it's pretty powerful. The I, ego I is something that. that's really difficult. And I think that keeps us kind of stuck in our patterns because it's, 
It's what's keeping us safe in our little box. And our soul is saying, get out of the box, shine and shed your ego. And so it's this constant subconscious battle between the (laughs) ego. Like you said, like self-sabotaging, like maybe your ego is always telling you that you're not pretty enough or you're not smart enough or you're not certified. So you shouldn't do that. Or you don't have a doctorate. So why would you ever, you know, all these different things of falling short and not really giving yourself that empowerment to be your true unique self. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what you resist persists. Yes. I mean, I used to hear that all the time and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I swear that is something I live by to this day because there was like two years, probably three or four years into my personal growth and development work in my mid thirties where I was like, oh, so that Enneagram six fear, that fear of not feeling safe and supported and that fear of not being valued and worthy. And, you know, I was like, all I have to do is just get rid of those fears. So for the next but just like I said to my husband, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of this, no matter what. I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to get rid of these fears. So for like two years straight, I was doing all this fear, deep dive fear work. And I was still experiencing the fears. They weren't going away 100%. I was still, I was getting a lot of results, but I, they weren't going away completely. And it was because I was trying to annihilate them, mm-hmm. like eliminate them. But yeah. actually... What I like to think about when I, when I think of these fears and these, the ego patterns that we're talking about is they're just like these wounded children parts of ourselves. They're just wounded parts of ourselves and they are coming up for freedom. They're coming up for attention. And if we can figure out what it is that they most want and desire and actually bring them into the fold and learn from them and grow from them and understand that they're happening for us rather than against us, um, that embracing of that fear for the value and the gifts and the lesson and wisdom that it's bringing to your life is what will help you not annihilate the fear, but integrate it. Right. And it's not, the the goal is not to be rid of fear. The, The goal is to live our life despite that fear. And if you can learn how to see fear as an innate natural part of us, part of our human condition that we need to embrace and love and foster within us so that we can figure out what the qualities are that we are missing that are creating that fear and focus on the qualities we want to put in place instead of trying to get rid of the fear. That's where the real magic happens, right? Absolutely. And that reminds me of a quote is that bravery exists only because fear exists. You can't be brave without fear. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That's very powerful. And I love the concept of embracing versus resisting because and trying to kill it because the more you do, the more it's going to come back. And the more situations are in his ugly head. Yep. You're just going to keep learning and dealing with it over and over. You're like, I don't want to learn this anymore, please. (laughs) You got to embrace it and have the bravery to be like, to, you know, hold space for it, just like you would hold space for a child, a child, you know, and you have to consider your ego and yourself as a child. That's why I love inner child work. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Yep. Oh, this has been a beautiful conversation. So valuable. I really appreciate you, uh, Jess. And I wanted to ask before we go a few of some really um, fun questions to learn about you. Some quick, quick fire questions. Okay. What is your favorite food? Oh my gosh. Favorite food. I have so many. Um, (laughs) Oh, I I can't pick. I can't pick just one. It is so hard to pick just one, but really I love healthy food. I love plant-based food, even though I'm not a vegan. I, I really just love healthy, delicious, 
plant-based yummy food that's free of sugar, free of gluten. And I know that sounds funny to say that I love those things, but the reason I do is because I've learned over the years how much energy that gives me and how much better that makes me feel in my life. So knowing that I can have access to healthy, nutritious food on a regular, consistent basis, um, that's, that's my favorite food. I know that's the yeah. answer, but Ooh, that that's my answer. <laughs> I know I'm like imagining tabbouleh and like, you know, yummy stuff. <laughs> what is your favorite music? What kind of music do you like to listen to? Mm, well, again, I, I, don't, I don't have a favorite one. I love jazz, most, mostly classical jazz or is better than like contemporary jazz, but I also love blues and I love, you know, some of the more everyday things like, uh, let's see, uh, Ray LaMontagne and, uh, elephant revival, just music that feels good. That lights me up. Um, beautiful course is another band that I really love and mom Muse. Mm -hmm. Um, they're like acoustic, not necessarily bluegrassy, but, um, acoustic type music that, that, that lifts your heart up and, you know, makes you feel good. Yeah, very cool. Absolutely. And then what is uh, the book that's on your nightstand or currently reading? Uh, I have a couple. (laughs) I have The Wisdom of Menopause. And then I I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's a book by Stephen Hawking with all the levels of consciousness, the map of consciousness, where he talks about how to operate from power versus force. That's on my my book stand. And I have a couple of books on relationship. One is on burnout. Another one is uh, a book on generational healing, generational trauma. I'm like I said, I'm way passionate about personal growth and development. So all of my books on my nightstand are personal (laughs) growth and development with the exception of one Stephen King novel. (laughs) there you go (laughs) that's when you don't want to think about you know improving other people's lives you're like I just need to zone out Stephen King perfect right right I love that and then last question is what is your favorite nature spot anywhere in nature (laughs) no but seriously um I love hot springs and there are a couple of hot springs here in the Colorado area in fact where I live in Salida Colorado I've got six hot springs locations within an hour drive and I try to go to a hot springs at least once a month if I can now that I live here in the in the small valley that I live in and and yeah there's something about the sulfur right in the hot spring that's very good for you yeah there's one in particular that's just south here about 45 minutes that's a mineral hot springs and they've got Mm -hmm. like lithium and boron and all these great minerals. So every time I leave there I'm like totally (laughs) blissed out. (laughs) I'm like no depression whatsoever. It's like the ultimate grounding is just to yeah. pop yourself with some of those minerals. Yeah. Yeah. But I also love hiking. So, you know, anytime I can be out hiking in nature or sitting in a hot springs, those are my two favorite things. Oh, that yeah. sounds so nice. So luxurious. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate you being here and thank you everyone for listening. It was wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. If you want to connect with us and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you took a screenshot of this episode and posted it on your social media feeds or stories and tagged The Thriving Intuitive. We will get in touch with you and we'll give a shout out to you in the next episode. And remember, keep your unique light shining.